thank you, Pastor, and it's uh, great to be here this evening. Uh, I come from uh, Newcastle in New South Wales, and I'm a pastor of uh, the Baptist Tabernacle there. And the Baptist Tabernacle was built in 1890, and uh, they built it, uh, and I think furnished it for about 4,700 pounds uh, in those days. And uh, it was modelled on uh, Spurgeon's Tabernacle uh, over there in London. And it's a great place to be because uh, it's in uh, a main street near a park and I can uh, put a sign outside the front of our church during the week and it says, Historic Church Open for Inspection. (laughs) And uh, I can sit in that church and others in the congregation with me and uh, people just come in, they see that sign. Uh, They might see me sitting up the back there and they're wondering if I'm a real estate agent uh, uh, trying to sell the church. And uh, it's just a a great uh, place to be uh, in Newcastle to minister. Uh, We also have a street ministry, which I'm going to show you in just a few moments. Uh, Well, just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, this is a picture of the Vatican in Rome. Uh, When I was a young man, uh, I I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and uh, I uh, made a bit of a spiritual pilgrimage and uh, I went over there and I was about 19, 20 years of age and I remember uh, seeing the Pope in uh, uh, St Peter's Square there and uh, thinking that uh, he was God's representative on the earth. That's what I thought at the time. I thought he was God's man. And uh, I was wrong. You know, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've come to know him as Saviour, you're God's man or woman. You're God's representative on this earth. And what happened? I went uh, to uh, Italy there. I went over to Ireland and uh, there was a mountain called Cor Patrick in Ireland where they believe that St. Patrick uh, climbed up that mountain and uh, I went on a bit of a spirit, spiritual pilgrimage up that mountain. I, I did the mountain in bare feet. Uh, some dedicated Catholics uh, do it on their knees. And, uh, you know, in my travels, I didn't find God. I was religious, but I was not right with God. And I came back and I went to a church of another denomination and a lady shared a a little gospel tract with me uh, after a church service. And she showed me that uh, uh, I was lost, that I was actually separated from God because of my sin and that I needed a saviour and I needed to trust that Jesus died on the cross some 2,000 years ago for me and when he shed his blood, he was paying the price for my sin. Uh, That night when I saw that tract, and it was a picture tract, and I'm a bit of a picture person, and I'm so thankful that she had a tract because uh, she led me to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Uh, So I'm uh, passionate about tracts, and so I I design tracts for the Herald of Hope, and I also have a separate tract ministry myself, and uh, I design these tracts, and Herald of Hope, and if you don't know what a tract is, basically it's it's a leaflet that tells you about uh, how you can be saved, how you can be sure of going to heaven uh, through Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Uh, So the Lord has led me to design uh, various tracks for Herald of Hope and uh, also uh, to put uh, various other tracks out. And just to give you a a couple of ideas of what I do, this is my wallet tract. This has a 98% pickup rate. Uh, So if you leave this uh, in a bus seat or in a telephone booth, uh, it'll be gone. And actually, I have people uh, that what they do is they, they put the tract uh, down somewhere in a, a bus stop or whatever, and they just wait. 
And they, it's surely that people pick them up uh, all the time. Uh, when I'm out on the street, I, I say to people, could I give you an honesty test? And I show them this. Uh, yeah, they want to take the honesty test. And uh, when you open up the tract, it uh, simply says that um, it gives you an honesty analysis there. What would you do if you found this tract or this, uh, this wallet and it was real? And uh, then it goes on to say that we've all robbed God and it goes and it leads to the gospel. And so we supply these free uh, throughout Australia and if people want them overseas, we send them overseas as well. Uh, this is one of my latest tracks. It's called Thank an Aussie Farmer. Uh, in New South Wales, we have Agquip and uh, 100,000 people come to Agquip to buy new harvesters and tractors. And so I uh, put this tract out for Agquip and on the back there, I don't know if you know anything about tractors up here, but uh, John Deere tractors are green, green and yellow, and uh, Kate's tractors are, are red and grey. And so I, I designed a, a hybrid uh, tractor there so it wouldn't offend the Case people or it wouldn't offend uh, the John Deere people either. Uh, in Newcastle, we uh, had uh, the car races there, the V8 500s. I'm not a fan of motor racing at all. Uh, but what we did, uh, we took these tracks out and when the race was finished, I dressed up like a racing fan, which I'm not, and I had a racing flag and a, and a cap on and uh, a pretty fancy sort of looking T-shirt. And as they're coming out of the gates, I simply said, thanks for coming to the races. Thanks for coming to the races. And then I worked out uh, who the volunteers were. They had special uh, T-shirts. So I said, thanks for volunteering. Thanks for volunteering. Uh, we probably gave five, six hundred tracks out in an hour and a half uh, doing that. Uh, what we do on the street of a night, uh, on a Friday or a Saturday night, and I'll just see if this uh, work slide works here, if I've got it right there. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's uh, some of the tracks there. Are you going to heaven? Uh, the last days. A new one I've got there is on eternity, which talks about Arthur Stace, a hero from the grave. Well, we go out, and this is uh, Friday a week ago, and can you believe it that in Newcastle uh, there's seven people standing around there and I've got a team there and we're giving out tracts to them. I want to say in the times that we live in, uh, people are very uncertain in these, this day and age. It's uh, very difficult in this day and age. Uh, young people, uh, they're thinking, oh, I can't, can't buy a house and, uh, and there's so much uncertainty. And I want to tell you that out on the street, people are willing to hear you talk to them about Jesus. You've just got to figure out a way, how do I do it? And I figured out a bit of a way which I, I found pretty easy. And I, I haven't got one here, but I made this Titanic tract and it's got a Titanic boarding pass. You can get them through the Herald of Hope. Now, we've had 100,000 go over to India and been translated in an Indian language there. So just pretend this is a Titanic tract. What I do, this is my line. Last year I said, uh, as I'm handing out the tracts, I'd say it's the 110th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Guess what my line is this year? It's the 111th anniversary <laughs> of the sinking of the Titanic. Guess what my line will be next year? <laughs> you got it. Now, you wouldn't believe it. Um, I, I, I've used tracks before and I've gone up to people and said, excuse me, uh, if, 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 if you died tonight, would you be sure of going to heaven? And I'd be able to give a few tracks out that way. But with this Titanic boarding pass, that's what it's called, it looks like an old Titanic boarding pass, I'm able to give out hundreds and hundreds. 
And I was out there with a, a fellow in my church. His name is Luke. And one night, it's Bible, only Luke was with me. Um, and we're out on the streets and uh, uh, we're giving out these tracks and we did a fair amount. The next week or so, we went out and I put a captain's hat on. And when I put the captain's hat on, Luke said to me, you give more tracks away if you put a captain's hat on. I said, right. So what I did, I went to Vinnie's, I got an old jacket and I got Titanic put on there and Titanic put on the back. I wear a tie and I look like a, a captain that's come off the Titanic. Some people meet me and they think I've come from the asylum. But, <laughs> but I want to tell you, it works. And let me show you just a couple of slides before I get into my message. Righto. There's giants in the land in Newcastle. Uh, this lady, she was on stilts, and she's not part of our team. Uh, she was on stilts, and I thought, how am I going to get attracted up to her? She's so high. So I walked over to her and said, could I have a photograph with you? She said, sure. So she posed there with a the photograph. I posed with my track, and then I gave her the tract. Uh, there is our model. So what we do is we take out a model Titanic. We've got two models now. We've had to upgrade. And uh, what we do is we stand on a corner there in the night. Uh, that's Luke. Great guy to go out witnessing with in the night. Uh, when we go to uh, this uh, place there, it's called Hamilton in Newcastle. There's a lot of pubs there. There are people on drugs. There's people that are drunk. There's all sorts of people there. He's a great guy to have. He's a black belt in karate. So really good to have uh, as I witness with him. Uh, but we go out there and we simply stand by the model. We light it up now with flashing, model, flashing lights. And you can see on top there, uh, right on top, we have timber tracks. Now, what's a timber track? Well, it's a model of the Titanic that church guys make uh, in the church and they paint it up. And we make hundreds and hundreds of them. So when a child is coming along with their parents, we just say to the parents, would you mind if we give your child a model of the Titanic? On the back is a Bible verse. And it just breaks the barriers down of the parents. And the par then we say to the parents, could we give you one of these? Well, we've, we've given a toy to their children. They're not going to refuse this uh, with a tract, are they? And so they take the tracts. So um, you've just got to use your imagination. And so we've had to... Uh, Take, take two models out now. So we're on one side of the street with a model of the Titanic and on the other side of the street we're a model of a lifeboat from the Titanic. And we actually send people from one place to the other so that they can view the different models. It's just been a great opening. Uh, read Ezekiel chapter 4, first couple of verses. Ezekiel was told to make a model of Jerusalem. Just read that. Uh, he was told to lay down beside it. I don't lay down. I don't do that. We get enough people coming that way. If you can turn uh, to the Word of God. Also, I just need to say, if you want any tracks, uh, you can see my wife there. She'll take orders. They're free. We post them out to you free. Uh, we'll uh, send them to you. One church, uh, another church in Brisbane, ordered 100,000 uh, to letterbox drop. And I've got some faithful track distributors, Arthur's, Arthur there, Arthur, you wouldn't mind me saying that you're in your 90s. Arthur distributes tracks. We've got Mick up the back there as well. Uh, I, my oldest track distributor, she's 97 years of age. She's in Queensland. They're really keen in Queensland. 97 years of age and she puts them out in her nursing home and then when she's able to get out of the nursing home, uh, she gets on her electric wheelchair, goes down by the river and gives out tracks. All right, if you could turn to Hebrews 11... And I want to read to you from verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are were not made of things which do the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God, God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Do you have that testimony? That you please God? You know, you can only please God if you know Jesus as your saviour. Uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, this is who I want to talk about tonight. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would bless our time together. We thank you, Father, for the freedom that the Word of God brings. We thank you, Lord, that the Word of God, uh, enabled by your Holy Spirit, brings conviction and conversion. And Lord, I would pray for both of those things tonight. If there's someone that doesn't know Jesus, we pray, Lord, for a conversion tonight. And we pray for the conviction of the brethren. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to go to my title slide. Oh, just before I do, this lady, she made her own Titanic life jacket. And she stands on the street with Jesus saves and the Titanic on the other side. As is the days of Noah. If you want to also uh, turn to Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to spend some time there as well. So my sermon, as I mentioned, is called As in the Days of Noah. And in Matthew chapter 24, the Lord Jesus gives his disciples some shocking news about the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus prophesies that the temple will be completely destroyed. Verse 2 there in Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. The prophetic words of the Lord Jesus came true in 70 AD when Titus, the Roman general, marched into the city and he sacked the city and he destroyed the temple. If you go down to verse 3, the disciples... Uh, hearing what Jesus said about the destruction of the temple, uh, they asked him these questions. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? They wanted to know about the temple destruction. They wanted to know about the sign of his coming. And they wanted to know about the end of the world. In Matthew chapter 24, uh, the Lord Jesus speaks about a time in the future called the tribulation period. And if you look down in verse uh, 37 there, he says, But as the days of Noah were, that's talking about Noah, was, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came 
and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall be two in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know what hour, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. In Matthew chapter 24, the Lord Jesus mentions Noah. Look at verse 37 again. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, there were unbelievers. Uh, everyone has been created by God. There were unbelievers in Noah's day. And the unbelievers in Noah's day were totally unprepared for the devastation of the flood that would come upon the whole world. And I want to say that there is future judgment that God is going to bring upon the whole world and it's called the tribulation period. And when you understand the scriptures, it goes for seven years. And just as there were unbelievers in Noah's day that were unprepared for judgment, there are unbelievers today that are totally unprepared and totally unaware that God is going to bring judgment to this world. Well... Uh, Jesus says, but as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. It appears that Jesus is saying here that uh, uh, when Jesus comes again, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And I want to think a couple of things. Uh, I've got a couple of words here uh, to think about what Noah's day was like. And so we will compare it to what our day is like today. And the first word that comes to mind in Noah's day is population. I believe that there was a large population in Noah's day. It was a growing population. Genesis 5 verse 32. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so uh, here we have uh, Noah's 500 years old, and uh, Mrs. Noah is still having babies. People lived uh, very long ages uh, back then. And so that would have mean that there would be quite a large population, a population that's growing. Uh, Genesis 6 verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. Uh, so I think there would have been a large population in Noah's day. And if you think about the population, our population is very large today. Uh, Peter Goman, a professor of the Old Testament, writes uh, in relation to Noah's day and he says, Consider, for example, Israel's population increase while in the land of Egypt. Israel came into Egypt as 70 persons, Genesis 46 verse 27. And yet when they left Egypt 400 years later, their numbers conservatively estimated around 2 million this is at least a 2.5650% growth rate per year. If we use this same growth rate for the pre-flood world, the numbers would be astronomical. Given the life, longer lifespans of pre-flood life, example, Adam, 930 years, uh, Jared, 962 years, as well as the optimal living conditions, we should expect a faster population growth than we currently have today. So in Noah's day, there was population growth and I believe probably a large population on the earth. Uh, there's large uh, population growth today and a large population. Aaron O'Neill writes, in 2023, the global population will reach approximately 8 billion people. This is double what the population was just 48 years previously 
1975 when it reached 4 billion people. The second uh, word I want you to note in relation to Noah's day is the word progress. Noah's day and before Noah's day uh, were days of progress. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 4, uh, Enoch uh, built a city. The Bible tells us that in Genesis 4 verse 17. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Uh, so men weren't living in caves. Uh, here they were in Genesis 4, way before the flood, they were able to build cities. There was a technology to, uh, to be able to do that. Also in Genesis 4, there was technically technological advancements in metal. Genesis 4 verse 22. And Zillah, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubalcane was Neymar. Technological progress in Noah's day, and uh, God gave uh, instructions for Noah to build the ark. The ark was about the size of one and a half football fields, so enormous uh, uh, thing to build. God gave him the instructions, but Noah had the technology back in those days to build that tremendous boat. I want you to think about the technological advancements uh, in our day just in the last 200 years. Uh, my grandma came from the age of horse and buggies. Uh, if you think uh, when I was uh, young uh, in the uh, city, you'd go into shops and there was no air conditioners. I don't know if you remember those days, but they had these huge fans that blow you down the aisle. Um, I remember when cars didn't have air conditioners. I remember uh, when houses didn't have colour TVs. I remember when houses didn't have videos. I remember when houses didn't have phones. Uh, there was a red box down the bottom of our street and you'd queue up with the neighbours to try and make a phone call. Um, I remember when there was um, no mobile phones. I remember getting my first mobile phone. It was about that big. I, I was a bobcat driver and I used to have to have clients contact me and so I'd put this big uh, bag in my bobcat uh, so people could contact me. You know how much my first mobile phone cost me? $3,680, if I remember right. And uh, the uh, phone calls were an absolute fortune. Uh, I remember when there was no computers in school. I remember when there was no internet. That was the, the good old days. In a recent article by Lotus Star Solutions, they write this. In 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. By the end of 1945, the rate was every 25 years. Human knowledge doubled every 25 years. We are quickly on our way with the help of the internet to the doubling of knowledge. How, how often? 12 every 12 hours. That's right. Every 12 hours. Think of the technical advances we see today. Well, Noah's days were days of progress just like today. Uh, thirdly, uh, the word that comes to my mind is that Noah's days were days actually of perversion. And I believe that in Noah's days there were perverse marriage practices just like today. And Satan's desire is to destroy the family. Someone has said, destroy the home and you destroy the nation. And if you go to Genesis chapter 2, God sets the standard for marriage. And God's ideal is one man and one woman for life. Uh, Genesis 2 verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife 
and they shall be one flesh. Genesis chapter 4, you see marriage is corrupted. There's polygamy. And Lamech said unto his wives, Genesis 4 verse 23, Adar and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken unto my, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man uh, to my hurts. And so you see there's a corruption there of marriage and the family. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 is the corruption of the bloodline of man uh, resulting in giants that were born. And you find that in verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. Uh, So marriage was under attack right back in the early chapters of Genesis and marriage is under attack today like never before. Cohabitation of couples is common today and even our government in recent years has changed the definition of marriage to include what God forbids. I believe in Noah's day uh, that there were perverse marriage practices just like today. Actually, the Bible tells us about Noah's day and also Lot's days. Luke 17, verse 28, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed." So Noah lived, uh, I believe, in a perverted world. Uh, Lot lived in a perverted world. And God judged uh, both uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he judged the world that Noah lived in. But fortunately, God provided a way of escape, and uh, that was the ark. And all Noah had to do in his family was believe God uh, in the way of salvation, and that was to get on the ark. There was one door, and today there's one way to heaven, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about the perversion uh, that happens today. Churches that once preached against sin uh, now advertise sin. How how terrible. We're seeing Romans 1 before our eyes. Now 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh, speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, uh, think about the perversion also that we see of the mind today. Genesis 6 verse 5, the imaginations of the thoughts of man's heart were only evil continually. Genesis 6 verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Continually, What a perversion of the mind we see today. Pornography fills the internet. Pornography fills the theatres. Pornography even fills lounges if people allow certain TV programs into their rooms. Today the pornography industry is multi, a multi-billion dollar enterprise and Christians are not exempt from its evil clutches. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness. When Paul addressed the Christians at Corinth, he addressed them in regard to sexual sin. And when the Lord Jesus addresses two churches, two of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, 
he addresses them in relation to sexual sin as well. The church at Pergamos, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them, thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. And to the church at Thyatira, uh, there was a, a woman there called Jezebel. And in uh, Revelation 2 verse 20, uh, she called herself a prophetess and she was teaching, and she, to, it says here, which caught Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Minds were being perverted way back there before the flood and minds are being perverted today. You know, um, there are young uh, people, uh, young men, I know one of them actually, whose uh, mind has been so captured by the computer. Uh, he started gaming and uh, he started then gaming with people overseas and so to play the games with those that were in America, uh, he'd have to game all night and he was gaming all night and uh, eventually uh, he's out of work and uh, that man, I think, can't work now. His mind has been so corrupted and uh, his sleep patterns have been so disturbed. We've got to be very careful in the day and age that we live in. Well, also in Noah's day, there was a perversion of mind, but also there was the... Uh, man's minds were perverted, as I mentioned, but there was violence throughout the earth. And uh, what violence that we see today. Violence is rampant. You know, when I lived in Sydney as a young man in the 60s, uh, we'd go away on holidays. Uh, we wouldn't lock the house. I don't think we had keys to our house, actually. I think we'd lost them. And so we just shut the door and there was no risk of the house being robbed. This is in a Sydney suburb. No risk of the house being robbed. Uh, we just go on our holidays. Things have changed. Well, Noah's days were days of population. Noah's days were days of progress and perversion and violence. Uh, let me give you some good news. Noah's days were also days of preaching. Noah was a boat builder, but he was also a preacher. 2 Peter 2 verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. How was Noah a preacher? Well, I'm sure when he was building the boat, every, uh, every hammer, every hammer sound that people heard uh, they would know that Noah's doing something and he's building this, you know, uh, one and a half football field uh, vessel he's building. I'm sure they would have come to him and said, what are you doing? And I'm sure he would have said what he was doing and why he was building the boat. Uh, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness. So I figure by his life he stood out of the crowd. Uh, you know, Noah was in the minority. And I want to say today, never, never ever be afraid to be in the minority. Go through God's word and you see men and women that, that were in the minority, but they stood for the Lord. I think of Daniel. And you know, prayer has been forbidden in, in Daniel chapter 6 and the government gives an edict. And what does Daniel do? He goes home, he opens the windows and he witnesses by his prayer life. 
He just carried on with what he'd been doing since he was a young man. Never be afraid to be in the minority. I think of Esther, you know. Esther knew that her her people were in danger and uh, she was brought to that point for such a time as this. And Esther, uh, standing as a a queen, standing there, uh, stopping the opposition that wanted to destroy the Jewish people, she was in the minority. I think of Elijah. There's Elijah on Mount Carmel and there's uh, 950 false prophets and uh, he's got his people, God's people up there uh, as well. But you know, the scriptures record that God's people said not a word. And so Elijah stands there and not even God's people are supporting him. But he had one support. Uh, It was God in heaven. That's all he needed. And he stood out. Though he was in the minority, he was in the majority with God in heaven. Never, ever be afraid to be in the minority. Noah was in the minority. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah had a testimony. Two places that Noah had a testimony. He had a testimony in his family. They got on the boat with him. Uh, Lot didn't have as good a testimony amongst his family. they get on the boat, but Noah had a testimony in his community. And I want to ask you, how's your testimony in your family? Do you have a testimony? Do people in your family see that you're different? Uh, and how's, how's your testimony in the, com- in, in the community? Do people see that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a salty saint seeking the shepherd in a sick and sinful world? Do they know that? Do they know that you stand out as salt and light in this world? He had a testimony in those days. Well, uh, judgment was going to come. Uh, Actually, someone wrote this. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? You know, some people are never going to read a Bible, but they're going to read a Christian And uh, you've got to make sure that you have a good testimony. Well, there was going to be storms of, uh, there's going to be a great storm in uh, Noah's day. And I want to say in our day, the storms of judgment are forming across our world. And my my question is, where are the witnesses? Where are the witnesses that are warning of judgment? We can go out on the street and uh, on a Friday, Saturday night, we can give out about 200 tracts, I'd say, on average on a Friday, Saturday night. Uh, we might have uh, somewhere between six and ten vital conversations about the gospel. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a publican, and he told me he has uh, jobs in, in pubs. And I stood uh, with this publican on the corner, and I was able to testify to him of the gospel. Uh, last, the other Friday, there was a, a guy that owned a trucking company, And the guy that owned the trucking company, uh, he stood and I talked to him about the gospel for about 20, 30 minutes. There was a young man that came with his girlfriend and I was able to spend uh, probably nearly half an hour with them telling them about the gospel. That young man goes away, he comes back about half an hour, 40 minutes later and he tells me something. He said, I prayed for forgiveness. This was on Thursday night, the night before. I prayed for forgiveness on the Thursday night 
and he meets us on the Friday night and we're able to share the gospel with him. Are you warning people? Are you out there telling them the good news of the gospel? Governments are silent about the judgment to come. Media is silent about the judgment to come. Universities are silent about the judgment to come. Schools are silent about the judgment to come. The UN is silent about the judgment to come. The WEF is silent about the judgment to come. The WHO is silent about the judgment to come. The President of the United States is silent about the judgment to come. The Prime Minister of Australia is silent about the judgment to come. The Pope of Rome is silent about the judgment to come. The King of England, the head of the uh, Church of England, is silent about the judgment to come. And I want to say that, unfortunately, in Australia, the majority of churches are silent about the judgment to come. Joel 2 verse 1, Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Most churches today, or many churches today, have gone woke instead of being awake. We're not called to be woke, we're called to be witnesses. We're not called to save the planet, we're called to save the people with the good news of the gospel. One man said, I look for the church in the world, but I found the world in the church. We need to be witnesses. The churches need to wake up, the churches need to look up, the churches need to light up, the churches need to stand up, the churches need to speak up and the churches need to live up to their high and holy calling as followers of the Lord Jesus. Romans 13 verse 11, knowing the time that now is, now it is high time to wake, wake out of our sleep for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of lights. Noah's days were days of population. They were days of progress. They were days of perversion. They were days of preaching. And lastly, they were days of perishing. Genesis 7 verse 17. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bear up the ark and it was lift up above the earth. Matthew 24, 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Genesis 7, verse 23, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. I believe that the greatest disaster since the time of Noah may be very close, and that's called the tribulation period. But there's an ark of safety, and his name is Jesus. And today, as in Noah's day, there's going to be a great rescue from a world perishing in sin for all those that look to the great Saviour, the Lord Jesus. Paul wrote of the blessed hope when he wrote his letter to Titus and he said in Titus 2 verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Do you know that the Lord Jesus went to the cross for your sins? 
Not only your sins, he went to the cross for the sins of the entire world. Every person that's ever been born. What happened was when Jesus died at Calvary, he was punished for every single sin, for every single person that has ever lived. And when he hung on the cross of Calvary, God the Father was punishing him. He was punishing him instead of us. He was shedding his blood as a payment for our sin. Do you believe that? You know, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. One of the things I often ask people is, are you sure of going to heaven? And particularly, I talk to a lot of, a lot of Catholics about that, and they'll say, no, no, we're not sure. And I say, oh, do you know, you, the Bible actually tells you, can you actually be sure of going to heaven? The friend of Jesus, John, uh, he wrote a letter and in that letter, he writes that we can be absolutely sure of knowing that we're going to heaven. And John says this, These things have I written to you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I ask you this evening, have you believed on the name of the Son of God as your Saviour? Have you done that? I trust that you have. Well, uh, that's uh, Noah's day, days of population, days of progress, days of perversion, days of preaching, days of perishing, days just like our days. And I want to ask you, are you ready for the great departure? And the great departure of the church is called the rapture and there's going to be an instant disappearance right around the world of Bible-believing Christians and you'll see that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm not looking for the undertaker as a believer. When I look at the signs of the world and the way things are going, I'm looking for the uppertaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a minister in the country and uh, my wife Judy dropped me out at the gravesite. I had to do a funeral out in the country there and uh, she dropped me off there and uh, went away and uh, it was me and the undertaker left and I, I asked him if I could uh, hitch a ride it's uh, the second ride I've actually had in a hearse. Um, I, I had a ride once in London. I, I did a funeral in London and I had a, over there they've got like a jockey seat for the pastor uh, in, in the coffin carrying place over there. Anyway, the, the undertaker, Shane, uh, gives me a lift back home. And you know, it was Manila and Manila's near Tamworth. And uh, I reckon I'm the only person in the whole of Manila to thank the undertaker for a lift and wave him goodbye. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you may not be looking at the undertaker. You're looking for the uppertaker that's going to deliver us from the judgment to come. And I want to say this as a final thing, that Noah was a witness in his day. Will you be a witness in our day before God closes the door on this age of grace? The Lord Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white 
already to harvest. And Jesus said to his disciples, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. John Wesley, a minister in England, uh, back in the old days, rode 250,000 miles preaching the word of God. I think not on one horse, but I think he must have had several horses in order to do that. And Wesley said this, you have one business on earth, he's talking to the Christian, you have one business on earth, and that is to save souls. One business on earth, that is to save souls. There's one thing that I'll never, ever be able to do in heaven. Well, actually, there's two things. I'll never be able to sin. Won't that be wonderful? Our sin nature will be gone. We'll never be able to sin. But the second thing I'll never be able to do in heaven is to present the gospel to someone that's unsaved. The time for that is now. Noah was a witness in his day. Will you be a witness in our day? If you're not saved here tonight, I want to let you know that Jesus died on the cross for all your sins. You are not going to heaven by your good works. The Bible makes that quite clear. Uh, Jesus performed the ultimate work on the cross. When he died on the cross for our sins, he sacrificed his life and he shed his blood so that those who believe in him can have eternal life. Jesus said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labourers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, we can uh, spend this uh, wonderful time in church uh, this evening. We thank you for the beautiful music that we've enjoyed. We thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing. And we thank you, Lord, that we've been able to open the word. We've been able to see that judgment is coming, but your son paid the judgment on the cross for us when he died on the cross of Calvary. I pray, Lord, for anyone here that yet does not understand the gospel, Lord, that they would look at the Bible and understand that Jesus died for them. And Lord, for those of us that are, uh, are believers, we pray, Lord, that you'd use us to be witnesses before the terrible time of the tribulation comes. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.